Three, two, one. Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ England. Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. I'm your host, JJ from Industry Jump. And as always, I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Loftus. Kyle, how are we doing today, my man? We are doing good, living great, man. How are you? Doing good as well. I got some exciting things on the horizon and actually really excited for this episode as well. Uh, Kyle and I will be sharing our experiences within the film industry. It's going to include the good, the bad, the ugly. We hope that this is a great chance for you all to hear about some of the highlights and the hard times that are ahead of you and helping you set expectations and hopefully better guide you and your business moving forward. Uh, So we're really excited to share uh, this episode and our experiences with you all. Uh, But before we get started, Kyle, can you just take away the five-star review for this week? First of all, before we give a quick shout out to our five-star review of the week, for those of you who would like a chance to win over $500 in prizes and be featured in our next episode, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to send us a screenshot at Learn Videography on Instagram for your chance to win. There's only one episode left, so be sure to enter for your chance to win. But without further ado, our five-star review today came from Andre. Andre says, tap in and listen. You'll learn from the best and hear firsthand experiences on and offset to help make these changes to grow your business. Uh, hell Love yeah, it. Andre. <laughs> Love it, man. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Yeah. Super appreciate it. And we've been getting a good amount of DMs on Instagram too, um, saying thank you to us for doing the podcast. And, you know, it's just really nice to hear that kind of stuff from our listeners. Uh, Kyle and I work really hard to put on this podcast for you. We have a lot of preparation. We have a lot of editing, so much that goes into it to make sure that we are giving you guys the most value possible. So uh, if you have a second, drop us a line, drop us a review, let us know how we're doing. Let us know, you know, what other content you want to hear in the future. It goes a long way. So thank you for that. Thank you to our listeners. And let's get started with this episode going right into how Kyle and I got started in the film industry. Kyle, do you want to take it away? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for me, I think the the vision for doing this really started in 2013 when I started shooting music videos on the side as a hobby. Um, it's kind of where it, I guess, subtly grew within me. Um, and then it was probably about 2015 or late 2014 when I actually switched my major when I was in college to screenwriting and producing. And so switched my major to that. And, and then it was, you know, it was not only outside of school was I focused on film production, but in school as well, you know, so I was taking um, classes, uh, all focused on screenwriting and producing um, and shooting, of course, as well. And then I also joined a couple clubs outside of school, and I was also building up my own brand and business at the time, Cal Visuals with a Z. Um, I had a lot more <laughs> swagger back then. Um, and then uh, after upon graduating uh, college, you know, I took up a position with the Orlando Magic. And so that was like my first real um, you know, big time, big boy experience um, in the industry, uh, you know, working with the magic, uh, also shooting the away teams as they came in, you know, so so getting to uh, do some shooting and work with LeBron James, um, you know, essentially all the Love all the big it. names in the NBA. So, um, you know, I learned a lot, especially actually, you know, on the business side of things uh, working in there as well. So um, that was kind of my 
first big experience and, and really got me really, really excited about the opportunities and what is possible, um, you know, with just the many different businesses and uh, individuals uh, and, you know, the power and leverage they hold in so many different versatile industries. I love it. I have a, a weird story. You know, I didn't realize that I wanted to be a filmmaker until really late in life. And I guess not so late in life, but it wasn't until senior year in high school. And I was watching a movie. Uh, I think it was Seven Pounds. And I've always, as a child, I always loved Amazing inventing movie. things, creating things. And I always wanted to bring things to life. And I think during that movie, I realized for the first time that I could do that with movies. You know, I could write something down on paper and bring that to life and create real emotions. And up until my senior year in high school, I was actually a, a really bad student, like B's, you know, C pluses my whole career. But as soon as I found that motivation of filmmaking, I literally, I don't think I got less than an A the rest of my entire career, like <laughs> high school and college career, because I was just so motivated to become yeah, a filmmaker. Same. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I couldn't get into the best film schools that I wanted to right out of high school because I was a bad student initially. And so I had to uh, do some couple of years of community college. And uh, I was living in upstate New York. And so I, I knew that if I wanted to be a filmmaker, I needed to go somewhere where a lot of filmmaking was happening. And so I, I saved up money. Uh, one summer I was working as a roofer. I saved up a lot of money and I just got in my car and I drove to California. Uh, and I did two years of community college uh, in an undergraduate film program, ended up being the president of that college and, and a lot of other things and, and ended up getting into Chapman University. Um, but before I went to Chapman, I uh, took, I think, just about a year off and I was just working in the industry, working on set as much as possible. I was working as a grip, a, a PA, a gaffer, an AD, anything that I possibly could do or just be on set oh, or yeah. shadow someone on set or just literally just literally being on set and not even having a function just to be there. I was there, you know, and so one year I, uh, during or right before I went to film school, I spent over 200 days on set creating these connections, getting the experience, just living and breathing filmmaking. I was sleeping on couches. I was doing whatever I could to be in that moment. And uh, I think that's how I really think about of how I got started as a filmmaker. And, you know, that, that journey in the early years, it's, I think, I think that was like 2013, 2014 as well, Kyle. So it, you know, it's definitely been a long journey for both of us. And yeah, it's almost kind of just getting started at the same time. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's, uh, that's quite an experience knowing that's, it helps so much. It make you, you know, so much more well-rounded, even if you can just have that, that basic knowledge of all those other positions. So it's, that's really awesome that you did that. Yeah. And it, you know, it's as a producer and a, and a leader on set, you just, it's so uh, beneficial to know those other positions. It's so beneficial to know how a production runs and how, how, you know, you should run a safe set and an efficient set because you can just, plan so much better for upcoming productions, whether you're a producer or a director or, you know, or just a company owner, you know? And so I think those were some of like the, the years that really formed me as a filmmaker in general. And then it allowed me to kind of fine tune my skill set into becoming a producer uh, as Absolutely. well. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So let's, let's move on to the next one. Uh, a lesson that each of us will never forget in the film industry. So Kyle, is there like one moment that you can look back on and say, shoot, I made a big mistake in that situation. Uh, and, and that's kept, that stayed with you ever since that mistake. Ooh, man. Um, nothing that 
comes to mind particularly. I, I mean, just I think in general, um, overall, my experience, I, I've really learned just, you know, the more you prepare ahead of time, uh, the more you prioritize pre-production with your client, the overall better the product is going to be, the better the experience is going to be just absolutely everything. Uh, for example, you know, just this past weekend, I had uh, a production in Atlanta. We were shooting three music videos in two days. Um, you know, so we had to move very fast, um, very efficiently. And day one, we're set to start filming at 1 p.m. Uh, come 4.30, uh, hair and makeup is still not done. Uh, and Ooh. so, you know, we're about three or four hours behind, but we had literally everything planned to a T the, the exact locations, the times we, we just essentially had to bump and alter our schedule by four hours. Um, we also had to skip a sunset shot, which really sucked, but you know, aside from missing that sunset shot, you know, we were able to get absolutely everything because we had planned out all these shots. We had all the locations locked down. Um, you know, we had the per permits and permission from, uh, the location owners, etc. So, you know, there was no hiccups that we faced that, um, essentially we're going to really deter us or throw us entirely off. So I, I think, you know, the more you plan and, and prepare ahead of time, uh, just the easier it is, the less stress you have, um, being able to, you know, assure your client that, Hey, even though we're three and a half hours, four hours behind, we're going to be fine. We're going to get all the shots. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, that, that, that makes just the experience so much better, which, you know, overall, I think gets you a better product and allows you to kind of book again. We are so excited to be bringing you our sponsor for today. It is Epidemic Sound. You already know of them, of course. They have over 30,000 songs, and it's refreshed every week. Plus, they have 60,000 sound effects to elevate your videos to the next level. If you want to get started today, we're offering our listeners exclusive two months free access to Epidemic Sound. Check it out. Link in the episode or find it on Learn Videography on Instagram. Link in bio. Start creating, stay groovy, and take your videos to the next level with Epidemic Sound. I, uh, from my experience, I was in Santa Barbara uh, before I went to film school, and I, and I was assisting on set of a small, small commercial production. I was a PA, uh, and we had multiple cameras shooting, and I was with the second cam, second unit uh, for B camera, where it was just me, the cam op. Um, and we were just getting B-roll shots, right? And for this cinematographer, we were just using a basic DSLR as the second unit camera. And I actually owned the same DSLR at the time, so I, I knew how to operate it really well. And so there was a situation where the cam op left to go um, do something, right? And so here I was uh, just with the camera, just doing nothing. And so I decided to turn on the camera and just start shooting B-roll and just to start making use of that time. And the director Ooh. of the production came over and just destroyed me. Like, literally just destroyed me. We're just like, you're a PA, never touch that. Like, that's not your department. Are you like, oh man. And so that moment on, it really set that like film hierarchy of like knowing to stay in your lane and to stay in your department. But when willing or able to cross over like to get permission to even like on a bigger sets when you want like want to lift a sandbag you know asking permission for the grip or electric as silly as it sounds that hierarchy people take really serious in the film industry 
And you know. in this case, you know, it's a camera that I own. I know how to do it. I'm just getting them more B-roll, you know, but I think it was the lesson of that day of just getting reamed for doing that as a PA that I never did it again. And, and I still remember that, that moment, you know, and this must be like six or seven years later. So that would definitely be one of the lessons that I've learned in the film industry. And, and God knows there's so much more. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Do you and not have about, like uh, one mistake or like I, big thing that, that you've done? I mean, you've had a long career. You can't have everything go right. Well, actually it's, it's, I'm looking at our notes and, and literally, I guess I, it's our next, you know, the next one we're here to talk about scary moments on set. Okay. Like my next, my next, these next two, I would consider like, I guess the biggest like moments for me. Um, All right. Then take us into your scary moments on set. So uh, my biggest scary moment and I guess biggest lesson is to always use sandbags. Um, so we were filming, this was, uh, I think this was now four and a half, five years ago. Um, we were filming a music video. It was a series of music videos. It was in the woods and we were doing a night scene. Um, and we had the light on the C stand, um, but we weren't using any sandbags. Um, and we were moving around on set. Someone had bumped the C stand and of course it fell. Um, and it nearly took, uh, nearly took my buddy out. Um, so, Oof. you know, thankfully no one got hit or hurt. Um, but that could have been really, really bad. So, you know, ever since then I've always prioritized, um, you know, making sure to have sandbags. The other, the other moment was, uh, you know, I broke a ceiling, uh, light fixture on a commercial production. So, uh, we were shooting at these, this, uh, restaurant. We were shooting at a restaurant spot for uh, this hotel management company. So they own a couple of different hotels and we were shooting at one of the hotels in the restaurant. Um, and I was trying to do a really nice soft, uh, soft top down look with the light. And so I was um, flying it up and I wasn't paying attention. And uh, yeah, I nailed the, uh, the light fixture um, and the glass broke and it fell everywhere. But um, you know, thankfully, uh, again, it didn't hit uh, or hurt anyone. Um, and I think, uh, again, the, the biggest lesson there is to really, you know, focus on the task at hand. I think oftentimes, uh, you know, when we're on these film sets, um, we're moving so fast and we're trying to accomplish a lot of tasks at once um, when really, you know, safety is the, the first and foremost priority. And so, you know, making sure to really focus on those those tasks, especially when you're working with C stands and heavy lighting equipment, um, that's a falling on people's head is is a very serious injury without a doubt. So uh, you definitely want to be really, really careful about that stuff. Yeah, 100%. I mean, safety's number one. It always is, you know, and you're running a business, you know, and you can't risk uh, one of your lights falling on someone's head and them going to the ER or or worse, you know, it's just, it's easy to, you know, say, yeah, safety is number one, but like not actually prioritize it. And it's one of those things that's like, no, you actually have to consciously make sure that this is a safe environment for everyone to be working at. And like, you know, there's a lot of memes going around right now with uh, music video camera ops, like shooting music videos with just a bunch of like rappers or hip hop artists just pointing guns at them, you know, while they hold the camera and saying like, this is the most dangerous job out there. And yeah, that is very dangerous. You know, like 
whenever on my sets, we never ever have live guns. You know, it's all prop guns and we have safety meetings before we pull out any prop guns and we have a gun handler. Like you have to take all of that stuff really seriously. You know, there's, there's a set that happened over in Long Beach where right next to where I live, where it was a Cal State University of Long Beach students were shooting a short, short film and they were in the middle of a scene and they had prop guns and neighbors called uh, the police because they saw guns and like a whole SWAT unit pulled up on them because they, they thought it was like a real shooting happening. You know, and oh so it's like gosh. situations like that yeah. where they didn't have a permit, they didn't notify authorities that they were doing this type of scene, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it seems simple, but it's like, hey, this is a this is a fake gun, and we're shooting a, uh, a scene, no big deal. But you know, there's consequences to sometimes of what we're doing, and I think you know, Kyle, what you said, and some of the other stuff that I was saying about safety, it just needs to be taken. Uh, first seat and as a priority and you know i i think i really learned this the the hard way as well again i went back to my years in santa barbara it was the first film my first film that i was producing and directing it was a short film i invested money into this film i actually even wrote it even though i was not a good writer at the time uh and one of the scenes involved actors mountain climbing up a mountain and then during the scene that one of the actors was supposed to have like a stunt where they fake fall and die. And that was supposed to be the, the tragic moment of the story. And so in preparation to that, you know, we did a tech scout. We walked our actors uh, to the mountain cliff, which was like a half mile hike in from the parking lot. You know, we practiced rock climbing with them. You know, we made sure everyone was like comfortable with the harnesses. They had all the right equipment. You know, we thought we were doing everything the right way. But it's just a, a situation where young filmmakers doing complicated stuff with expensive gear gets out of hand. And so the situation that I really remember, it's it's actually a two part. But the first part was we were in the middle of a scene. We were set up. We had a jib op or like a 20 foot jib scroll, like going along the, the mountain face with our actors to create this really cinematic shot to show these two climbing together. Uh, and then we had a... Um, person at the bottom spotting our actress who was climbing up the mountain right and then I was actually holding on to that person just as an extra safety right so we're in the middle of a scene uh it's going all right and then all of a sudden the spotter that I'm holding on to his footing slips and both him and I go flying across the mountain face and our actress is being dragged across the rock as well like going down and if you can imagine the two of us essentially we're hanging on the rope one on each end and since we weighed a little bit more we were like kind of pulling her down at that point and I didn't have a harness I wasn't strapped in so I was holding onto the rope flying at least 50 feet above the ground my person that was um he was strapped into the rope was underneath me and here we were in the middle of a scene and we're the three of us and the female actress were all just in free fall with this rope being dragged around like with 50 feet below us it was insane man like our actress got beat up she got scrapes it ruined all the continuity luckily neither me or the the safety um belayer didn't get injured but man it was it was like what the heck uh and then later that day as if things couldn't get worse we had a steady cam up at the top of the the rock and it was like a big step down, like 100, 200 feet, right? 
and we were filming the actress go like next to the edge. Uh, and after one of the scenes, the steady cam op looked at me. He goes, I almost just fell off. Like legitimately, he almost just fell off the cliff, you know? And so it's like things like that, that I will never forget in life where it's like, this stuff can get serious really quickly. We thought we were prepared. Things happen. Someone slips. All of a sudden we're flying around, across a rock face. You know, we had someone holding on or like, um, spotting that steady cam up, but you know, things just get carried away in the moment and it's real danger with real people. And that was definitely a very situation or very scary moment for me on set. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> wild, man. <laughs> I, yeah. I like, how did you get down? Like, like where your um, weight just distributed in a way that like you were like, you both were just hanging at like a middle level. Yeah, it's exactly that. But we once stuff started to balance out, since there were two of us on one side, we ended up like getting pulled down to the bottom slowly. And then the actress got pulled up. And then so we were able to reset from there. But I mean, yeah, God bless our actress because she really took a beating getting like thrown like back and forth as we were we were flying and she was just getting pulled with the rope. Um, Yeah, man, it's gnarly stuff. I remember going home after that day and just feeling so defeated. I was just like feeling like, I don't know if I can ever do this again. Like we didn't get the shots that we needed because of all that stuff. So we didn't have enough to make, even make a movie. You know, we invested everything into that one day and it was just like, whew, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it, it was a so really how do you, tough how do you one. bounce back from that? You know, in that situation, uh, I just took some time off. I I talked to a lot of people about, you know, like what happened and how we could have done it better. We regrouped as a team um, and then did a pickup day and learned from our mistakes and and made it happen, finished a film and ended up getting into the Santa Barbara Film Festival. My first film in a festival, first film that I directed and produced. So that was cool. But man, it was a journey. Hey, that's uh, that's filmmaking for sure. (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah. definitely not an easy one <laughs> no what about, it, it uh, isn't what about client nightmares you got a you got a really bad uh experience or story with a client um something maybe you could have avoided too yeah you know i i do uh, i and i think i already talked about this one in an earlier episode uh but i'm gonna bring it up again because it's really important and i think it happens to a lot of creatives and especially a lot of producers production companies um, there was a situation where I was producing under my production company a very big bit video, a music video. I think it was like forty to fifty thousand dollars. Right? We had twenty to thirty crew members on set. We had lots of extras, uh, and I was in communication with the client well ahead of time. We were planning everything. We were taking care of everything, but for several weeks they had missed the down payment, and they were not paying their initial fifty percent upfront like we agreed to. Um, and as time got closer to the shooting day, they still hadn't paid their invoice. And every single day I was on the phone with them saying, Hey, this needs to happen. Otherwise we're not going to shoot. I'm going to cancel it. And, you know, being a young producer, I did not want to cancel this shoot. You know, we had so much invested into it. It would be a nightmare to cancel it. And so I personally, I was waiting until the very, very, very last minute, um, to, before I had to cancel this shoot. Um, and it got ugly really quickly like 
you know, we went into you know, a $40,000 music video and the day of the client still didn't pay any kind of down payment, you know? And so eventually Ooh. that, that morning I called the client. I was like, listen, if when you arrive on set, you're going to write me a check. Otherwise I'm going to send everyone home. And I was not kidding. I was going to send everyone home and we were going to cancel right then and there because I couldn't take the risk of them not paying me for this video, especially since it was such a big video that I would have had yeah. to pay for otherwise with all these hard costs. And it's a really hard moment as a young producer that's really eager for this opportunity, but having to lay your, you put your foot down and say, no, this is, this is what we need. Otherwise, I don't care how great the opportunity is. This video is not going to happen because these are just basic things that we need to make a video. You're asking for a video and you need to pay us for the video. Uh, and luckily the client showed up on set that morning. She wrote a check. Luckily it cleared. I would have been screwed if it didn't clear. Um, and it's one of those situations that I learned from. I definitely shouldn't have let it go that far into the day of, you know, if for our listeners, I would say, Man, depending on the size of the video, I would say at the very, very latest, the day before. But I, I really don't like to do that. You know, Kyle, what, what would be your latest that you would push a client paying you before you do a video? Um, you know, I mean, I think it kind of depends on the the relationship. You know, if it's someone I've worked with a lot, um, you know, I might give them, you know, again, like you mentioned, the day before. Um potentially the day of if it's someone I'm really, really close with. But aside from that, you know, if I haven't gotten payment within five to seven business days beforehand, then I'm canceling the shoot. Um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you might be able to drop and, and cancel things a bit with a, a higher turnover and, and no problem in LA. But here in Orlando, um, rental companies definitely like to take your money. They like to nab you. So, uh, hmm. you know, if you're not canceling way ahead of time, uh, you know, you're going to suffer um, at least like 50% of that rental fee. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, it, it for me, it, yeah, it's always five to seven business days beforehand. Yeah. What would be a client nightmare moment for you, Kyle? Uh, similar to yours. And I think I briefly mentioned mine, uh, you know, in, in a previous episode, but, um, you know, I, I had a previous client that, uh, I had known, uh, he was essentially the, the director of marketing, um, for a, a client that I was shooting for Jude orthopedic clinic. Um, they got, um, bought out by a, a hospital. And so essentially the, the hospital already had their own media team. So they essentially no longer needed my services. Um, however, he started his own marketing, to, uh, his own marketing team and was trying to essentially win over um, a position uh, or some contracts with uh, some other hospitals um, and other uh, kind of a couple nonprofits, et cetera. Um, and so, uh, you know, we kind of worked out a deal in a relationship, um, you know, where he'd pay me kind of this discounted fee um, in hopes, you know, that I would continue working with him and doing these projects until we got these big contracts signed. And then we both would get some really good retainer payout. Um, as this uh, relationship went on um, and the, the, the months went on, um, he had promised, uh, you know, that we would have contracts signed in April. You know, it came April, no contracts were signed, came the next month, still no contracts signed. Um, and I was still going on these shoots and taking this discounted rate. And now this time, you know, in essence, I had kind of lost um, 
you know, maybe maybe a thousand, two thousand dollars or so, um, considering the, the the discounted rate. Um, and so similar to you, JJ, you know, I kind of had to put my foot down um, and just kind of refuse to move forward without getting the contracts. Um, and of course, you know, we never got a contract uh, and never got payment for um, a couple of those shoots that I did. Um, but similar thing, you know, is it was really important for me to to kind of put my foot down there and stop the relationship where it stood, even though it had a lot of potential and possibility. Um, you know, the the safety nets of the contracts weren't there and uh, you know, it just didn't feel right. Um and of course, you know, again, it was really in essence, you know, he was you know, kind of abusing my services. Um and so uh, you know, I had to get out of that relationship uh fast. But I think I mentioned this in in the previous episode. I also did it very kindly and cleanly because um again, you know, he is uh this individual is is relatively well known in the area. Um and uh, uh, I think also just, you know, karma can come back and bite you. So I always, uh, I always suggest, you know, parting ways if you're going to, uh, doing it kindly, you know, you never want to burn a bridge. Uh, you just never know what those negatives could kind of do to you or your career and your business. Yeah. That's a tough one too, Kyle. It's, you know, you're getting work, you're making projects, uh, but you could feel like you're getting abused. You're not getting your fair share of all the work that you're putting in and, and someone just not following through on a promise that they made to you. And, you know, confronting them. You know, I know a lot of creators are um, scared to talk to their clients or the the people that are hiring them in that way because they're just so thankful for some work, you know, but it's, it's one of those things like you'll learn to do as a young creator is, you know, have these conversations and you'll get better with it as you have more of them. And, and it's a conversation that you need to have. You know, it's part of maturing as a creator and a business owner and taking that next level up is having these really difficult conversations and say, listen, this is the deal. You know, this is this is how it is. This is my rate. This is the hours. I'm going to, you know, come out and give you everything I got. It's going to be a great thing, but this is it. You know, I'm not going to be doing things for you that I don't want to do because this is my business. I control it. And that's one of the beauties things beautiful things of having your own company is you get to make those decisions you know so reflect as a creator how you feel about these opportunities is the opportunity worth it is the are you or are you chasing money are you chasing portfolio pieces or whatever and make sure you feel comfortable putting your foot down in a very respectable way just like kyle did as well with your clients so things don't get out of hand and you don't get abused definitely definitely uh what about highlights on set kyle like if you look at or think back to some of your favorite times on set you know favorite projects is there a, like a highlight that you want to speak of of just like thinking to yourself like man like life is good like i am a filmmaker we are creating stuff life is good um yeah i mean i think one of my more recent projects uh you know i can't really disclose it because it's not out yet but um you know it was it was um around 18k which is probably i think the highest budget uh i've worked with with a client thus far so that was uh that was exciting um that was fun um and just because i think because we got a lot more creativity i'm usually shooting videos somewhere between uh you know four to eight k and so you know a lot of that money is just generally being paid for crew and for talent uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, food for the day. You know, there's not a lot of playroom with props and all these other things. Whereas with this budget, you know, it's just really cool to to have that full kind of creative freedom. I think, you know, outside of that, I think just overall, just the unique 
individuals and places I've gotten to go because of this. You know, I've I've gotten to shoot uh, and work with golfers at Pebble Beach. I got to go film an experience climbing to to the top of Machu Picchu uh, on this four day trek. Um, You've just gotten a lot of really really unique opportunities. And again, you know, working with the Magic, I got to meet some incredible um, individuals in the NBA and those uh, that have retired Hall of Famers. So just really really um, amazing opportunities that come with working in this industry. Um, And again, running your own business. I think that's one of the great parts about that and why I chose to do that is because I'm constantly working with new people and new companies and and having these new experiences. And so I'm also getting to learn so much. um, And, you know, I'm I'm really passionate about that in in life as well. So um, that's one of the the biggest benefits, I think, of of running your own business, you know, as a videographer or, or production company. Yeah, there's a lot of great contacts and relationships that you can build as a filmmaker. And by working with other teams and going to new places and mine's kind of similar to that. Um, it stems from an experience where I was hired as a producer to produce a European skateboarding show where we would travel throughout eight different countries in Europe. And throughout that experience, we got to film these professional skateboarders going to each country and just living in that country. So we would eat the food of that country. We would go uh, like go to all the popular tourist attractions of that country, like really kind of try to hit every highlight of each country as we went. And we had a lot of money to do it. And so it was just like, I think we had like 10 grand just to do activities, Kyle. And it was an eight person crew. Sheesh. We had, yeah, we had four professional skateboarders. I was the producer. And then we had uh, all the rest were cam ops. And we would just go to each country and these skateboarders were, had a really big following. So they would say, hey, we're about to be in Venice or we're about to be in uh, Vienna or whatnot. And then we would have like 30, 40, 50 locals meet us at, our, at the airport or the train station and just show us around and skateboard through the cities. And it was just incredible, man. Like that really allowed us to like experience those countries uh, on someone else's dime. And we got to do so many activities like there was this one place, uh, I think it was in Budapest, where they had in the mountains like a bobsledding thing. And so one of the episodes for the TV show, we had like our skateboarders do like bobsled racing and whatnot. And like we had go-karts and we just did so many other things. We went to uh, oh, yeah. Oktoberfest in Munich and um, one of our skateboarders did a prank there and got on top of the tables and ran across all the tables and then at the very end when security pulled him off he grabbed a nearby girl and made out with her and we got it all on camera oh my it gosh. was it, it was crazy man like it's just experiences like that where like young you know filmmakers fools idiots whatever you want to call us with lots of money and cameras just just experiencing the world um, and those are definitely experiences that I will never forget. Uh, it, it showed me a lot of the world. It introduced me to so many people around the world. Uh, and the TV show ended up on TV. So um, that was definitely one of the highlights. I remember one night we were in Venice uh, and we were skateboarding around the canals and whatnot. And so one of the things that we did for the episode was see who could jump over like one of the canal boat slips, who can ollie over that. 
and one of our professional skateboarders, their skateboard actually ended up sinking into the canal and we paid locals to like go into the canal and get the skateboard out. Like it was just crazy, man. And, um, yeah, Love just it. really great experiences just thinking about it all the way around. So, um, yeah, we, we talked about some of the nightmare moments, talked about some of the highlights. But with that, why don't we just take a quick break and answer our question of the day? And then we'll come back to talk about some of the moments where we screwed up, moments that we had our made it moments and so much more. So, Kyle, why don't you take us to the question of the day real quickly? Yeah, let's do it. So today's question of the day comes from Monse from Puerto Rico. Let's do it. Hey. Hello, guys. My name is Monse and I am from Puerto Rico. Thank you so much for every single episode that you guys have been putting out. It has been a huge help for my work. So thank you. Gracias. So my question to you guys is, I am right now shooting some short advertisement for different women who are creating and developing their brands here in Puerto Rico. So I'm creating, you know, a minute to a minute and a half type of commercial shoots for them. And I have a Z50 Nikon, Nikon Z50. And I would like to step it up a bit using some gear that will give me that visual cinematic experience for my new clients. I have about $5,000 budget and I would like to know what to get after dealing with my Nikon Z50, which has been great, but it's time to step it up. What can I get now? to create that experience for my new clients. Thank you so much, guys. It's time to step it up. I love it. What a yes. great question. Kyle, Gracias are you escuchar. Hey, there it is. Kyle, how about you take this away? I think this is more of your specialty than mine. What would you yeah, suggest? Yeah, so, you know, I mean, uh, first of all, please reach out to us at, at Learn Videography or reach out to me personally at Cal Visuals on Instagram. Um, cause you know, I do have a couple questions, uh, for example, you know, how much money have you already invested with this camera in regards to glass? You know, if you've got a bunch of Nikon glass, that could definitely affect kind of the direction I point you in. Um, additionally, you know, I'm, I'm curious if you maybe have, uh, you know, other camera operators or people that are helping you out or if autofocus is, you know, a, a big priority for your workflow. If so, um, you know, then I'm probably going to point you in the direction of, you know, the new Canon or the new Sony camera um, that have just come out. Um, so the Canon R5, I think, would be great, or the EOS R would be fantastic as well. Um, and those are going to be great cameras, shooting 4K, give you all the quality you need, do great with low light. Um, however, you would have to get, you know, new glass to, to shoot with those. Um, however, you could also go with something like the, the Pocket 4K or the Pocket 6K, uh, and you could get a speed booster adapter that you could use, uh, you know, with your Nikon glass. However, you know, with that, understand those cameras are both um, manual focus. They don't have autofocus. So th there's a couple questions I got for you, but th those are just a couple cameras I'd recommend. Um, and then of course, you know, the new, uh, the new Sony again, uh, what is it? The a seven, a seven S three, I think is what it is. Um, I forget the exact model name, but the, the brand new Sony that's out. Yep. Um, uh, I've got a couple friends that are big Sony lovers and they're, they're obsessed with the camera. Um, so, uh, you know, I've seen the quality, especially after it's graded. And I think Sony's actually improved their skin tones, um, quite a bit, um, or how they, you know, how their color science reacts for skin tones that is. Um, so yeah, those, those are the basic areas I direct you in Mon uh, excuse me. Um, but overall, again, you know, please reach out to us on Instagram. Um, be happy to, to give more, uh, advice for you there. Yeah. 
Fantastic response, Kyle. Great question. Thank you for submitting that. Um, we would also welcome any kind of suggestions for content moving forward. Uh, as you guys know, this is our second to last episode, and then we'll be taking a small break until we reconvene. And so uh, we would just love to know what you want to hear about, what you want to learn, You know how we can help you grow as a young content creator that's growing, hopefully, a long-lasting business. So thanks again for taking the time. Why don't we get right back into the episode talking about moments that we screwed up, Kyle. Now, there's so many of these moments personally for me. Um, So I'll get started uh, with this moment. Um, I was producing um, another big video, uh, a lot of money involved. There was maybe fifty to sixty thousand dollars. It was a one day shoot, Kyle. So things were really tight. We couldn't afford to have a second shoot. So we had to really pack it into one day. And we spent so much time planning for that one day. And of course, you know, things happen on set. And so uh, one of the things that happened before set is our location scout or our location manager uh, left the project a couple days before uh, the project was scheduled to shoot. And as a producer, I had to assume his responsibilities of finding a location, permitting it, and all of those things. And I was in a really bad position because he didn't have any locations or anything. So I quickly had a scramble and I put together this location. I found it. I got the permit through at the last second. Uh, and I, I permitted it for the time that I thought, uh, or the permitted for the time that was on our schedule, uh, that we were going to be shooting there. Um, and the day of the production arrives, uh, the production's on track, but the, the talent, it's a female artist. Um, she actually uh, previously won American Idol. This was one of her first time doing a music video as like her own artist. Uh, and she was in the makeup room for many hours, Kyle. <laughs> many hours. I think it goes back to that experience mm. of like three to four hours you're talking about. I think, yep. you know, we were all ready. And I think she, it took us about three hours to get her through hair and makeup the first time before we can get our first shot. Uh, and it just kept going like that the whole day where there was even one point in the day where she said she wasn't going to leave her trailer until we purchased a certain amount of or a certain type of alcohol for her. Um, and so we had to run to the store and get this alcohol for her. So she, et cetera. And so it was just a really tough day with the client and the talent. And we were trying to get them to the works as fast as possible uh, because we had such limited time and we had so many shots that we needed to do to, to create this video. Um, and one of the locations that we were at required us to have a fire marshal there because we had, I think, 40 or 50 people inside a building. And the local uh, building code said that if you have a certain amount of people, you need to have a fire marshal there just to make sure. So we had a fire marshal there monitoring us. And um, that was going OK. You know, we were trying to catch up. We were a couple hours behind uh, and we were able to finish up all of the shots at a one location. And then we moved, needed to move to a second location, which happened to be at a beach, like parking lot park area where we had permitted as well uh, for that area. Um, and when we were moving to that second location, by the time we got there, we were about two hours late. And because we were two hours late, the, the gate property to the park, the actual gate was closed and we needed like, a key to open up the gate to let all of the trucks through. And we didn't have that key because we were supposed to be the two hours in advance. And so it was all taken care of. It was supposed to be all taken care of. Plus it was a 
mistake on the park side, understanding that we had a permit there and they should have left that property open for us with a representative there to close it afterwards because we were permitted to film there. Anyways, that failed. We were two hours behind. So when we got there, we had no way to get into our shooting location for the final day. And so I called up our um, fire marshal from the last location and said, hey, we got this permit to shoot here. Uh, but they locked the gate. Anyway, you can go come open the gate for us. And he's like, sure, no problem. So he comes over to open up the gate. And then right as he's opening up the gate, we have like our grip truck. Everyone is just waiting in this parking lot, waiting to get, gain access to the set. And everyone is just, we're delayed. We're losing so much time. And the fire marshal goes, actually, can I see your permit quick? So I show him the permit, assuming everything's all right. Uh, and then he comes back to me. He goes, you know, JJ, your permit's about to expire in 30 minutes or an hour. There's no way you're going to be able to film this in time. Like, I can't open up this gate for you. And I go, what do you mean? And long story short, since we were two hours behind, three hours behind on the day, we got there too late. We missed our chance and the permit expired and we weren't able to extend the time on the permit. And the fire marshal made a whole set go home and we couldn't capture anything for that last scene. Uh, And it was a fifty dollars to $60,000 video that ended up never being made because we couldn't film that last section of the video. The video got scrapped and it was essentially AJ. all on me. Uh, and I never worked for that company uh, that hired me as a producer ever again. And so it's situations like that where like I, I, I messed up. You know, I should have been more aware of the permit, the time that we had scheduled. I should have communicated that to our client, to our AD, everything along the way, understanding that this possibility may exist. I also should have permitted for the maximum amount of time possible. I also should have had backup plans in case we're running behind of who I can contact to extend that permit or backup locations, et cetera. I did none of that, you know, and so that was a really big lesson for me to you know, understand that there's there's laws in place, there's restrictions in place, and we need to make sure that we can operate as an entire unit or company to, you know, within those laws and restrictions so we can film what we need to film and deliver the project we need to deliver for our client. Uh, and so, I, man, Kyle, I remember going home at the end of that day, and, I, and again, it brought me back to my Santa Barbara days where I was so upset and uh, sad because I let so many people down and, and that was a really big mistake that I've definitely learned from for the last several years. How about yourself? Dang, man. Yeah, you know, I, I found like the further my career gets going, I, I find like all those weird uh, like analogies my parents say are, are all just true, you know, like hope for the best but plan for the worst, you know, like all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, you know, I, I'm struggling to think of so. Like, man, you got so like your stories are so much better. I kind of wish I had like bigger <laughs> screw ups, like, or I'm just not thinking of them. But no, uh, you, no you don't uh, want bigger screw ups, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my biggest one that, that I can think of right now is so I got hired out. Um, someone referred me for a gig they couldn't do. Uh, and so I got hired out to essentially just come out and cam up and record some audio. Uh, they wanted the camera shot, but more so they just wanted better audio. I guess for whatever reason they were they were. It's uh, it was like a protein bottle company, and they were doing an interview with an athlete. Whoever did the last interview, I guess the audio was just 
it was really bad. The guy said, you know, I did have this uh, strategy call with him before going in. I'm, he's telling me all these things. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm professional. Like I've done this all the time. Like, no problem. I'll take care of you. I'll get you incredible <laughs> audio. Like, oh, don't man. worry about it. I go to this shoot and, um, you know, I set up my Zoom. I got a Zoom H6. Um, got the XLR plugged in. Uh, got the boom mic, you know, right there, super close, just out of frame. No doubt I'm getting clean audio. Um, and I thought I did, but it, I guess I just hit the wrong button on the Zoom H6. Um, so I had it plugged into like the one or the two slot, what have you. Um, there's multiple audio slots you can utilize. Um, but I clicked to record through obviously the wrong audio slot. So when I got home and I checked the card, I had absolutely zero audio like the biggest oh, thing they wanted no. out of this and this girl was like super super shy like she was very it was very hard to get answers out of her from these questions and so and this is like they're already kind of a little bit over their budget um especially like mm. affording me and then you know this happened and they didn't get the audio they wanted. And, oh, it was just, Ugh. you know, it was, it was a mess. I felt terrible. Um, you know, in the, the biggest lesson, I think I learned from that, you know, one is, is again, you know, what I reverted to earlier is, is, you know, really focus on the task at hand, the tasks that matter, like prioritize that. And then also, especially with audio use redundant audio. You know, if I had put a love on her and I, I connected that to the camera, yep. I would have had yeah. audio, you know, I would have had that clean, that safe backup to kind of save my ass in that situation. Um, but I used only one audio source. And again, it, it wasn't recording correctly. And, uh, you know, the, oh, I suffered man. the consequences because of it. <laughs> Did your like just heart drop when you realized the audio wasn't there? Absolutely. You know, especially too, because um, that was that was like my first time getting kind of one of my first times getting referred out to a project and it was kind of somewhat aligned with more of that commercial-esque style you know I enjoyed doing and so I was like oh maybe this could be like a good relationship because again this company was um, relatively big um, I, I can't remember the brand um, but it was again a protein bottle company um, and so the, you know I was again when I was on the strategy call the owner uh, or not the owner the, the head of marketing was telling me about you know all these different campaigns they're running and planning to run in, in Florida and Texas and all these different places and then you know, I go and screw that up and immediately, you know, that I know there's no way I'm ever getting a call back. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was tough. That was definitely tough. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've had moments like that, too, where, like, you have to tell someone really bad news. And it's just like when you realize that you have to do that, it just you sink down and you're like, oh, no, uh, I feel for you for sure. Well, let's finish this on a high note, you know, like. There's, there's moments where sometimes as filmmakers, we feel like we've made it, you know, like these are the moments that we've worked so hard for, these are the moments that made the last seven years worth it, that made the 200 days working on set worth it, that, you know, all of those mistakes that we've learned from worth it. Um, and so I'll let you go first with your moment. What was that moment for you where it's like, you know, you know, Kyle, you made it, you feel good about this, like the sky's the limit for you, Kyle. What was that moment? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I have like a specific single one, but like just listing off a couple really quick. Uh, again, you know, like going to Machu Picchu um, and actually the hike there was like far more like enjoyable and mesmerizing than like 
actual Machu Picchu. So like it was it was at a ruins. I can't remember the name of the ruins, but a ruins the night before we got to Machu Picchu, I was kind of standing there looking out, um, looking out and just like realizing like, holy crap, like I'm literally getting paid to to do something that I love. Um, that was a big moment for me. Yeah, I think officially filing for for my business, you know, officially filing with the government in Florida, um, you know, as an LLC, that was a big moment. Like actually having that piece of paper, um, you know, saying I'm a legitimate business. Um, that was yeah. really cool. And then I think like the other big one um, was making my first 100k as a business. I think that was very congrats. It, um, thank you. It took you know I think the whole experience is just like surreal for me, especially I think because the household I grew up in. Um, you know my parents always instilled hard work. You know work your tail off, get a good job. Uh, you know you know, more of, more of that line of corn, that, that corporate life. And so I guess when I was younger, I never really foresaw this as, as a possibility as something that I could do for a living. Um, and so making that first hundred K is, is kind of brings it, it reminds you of the reality of the, like, holy cow, like you, you are actually doing this, you're running a business and, and you're successful, like you're making a living doing this. And so, um, that was, that was, I think kind of a, a big moment for me as well. What about yourself? Yeah, fantastic. It's great moments. Um, you know, man, I I've been fortunate enough to have a couple of these and I think the moment for me that I had a made it moment was um in 2018 I co-produced and co-directed a feature film. Uh and it was called Faith, Hope and Love and it was a small movie uh that we did. We shot it all in 13 days with some star talent. Um and uh the other co-producer worked his bought off in post-production and ended up getting a big distribution deal. And so the film ended up being in theaters across the country in 50 different theaters, actually. And That's one of the so theaters <laughs> was right next to me in Huntington Beach at the main Regal Theater. And so my wife and I and, and the other co-creator, we got together at this Regal Theater and went and saw our own movie at the theater. Um, and I think that was the moment for me was like, this is really special. Like, I mean, as a kid, you always look up at that, uh, the movie theater sign. I forget what they actually call it, but you always hope to see your movie title up there one day. Uh, and yeah, we were a very small movie, very small run. We weren't there for super, like a long time, but we were there that night, Kyle. And it was, it was a really special night. And that movie is actually on uh, Netflix right now too. It's called Faith, Hope, and Love. Uh, it's a really nice coming, uh, I, I would say it's a, it's a faith-based rom-com. So if you can add so many genres into it, that's what it is, a faith-based rom-com. Um, so I think that's definitely the, the made it moment for me. Uh, and it happened to be the last feature film that I've made since then. So um, yeah, still thinking about that moment really fondly. Uh, but anyways, I, that's all we got for today, fam. Uh, if you're not already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Learn Videography and at Industry Jump. Yeah. Along with following Kyle at Cal Visuals and myself at JJ Englert. Uh, the next week is our final week. We're going to be talking about planning for your future, talking about how to build a company for the future, how to set yourself up for the future. We have some really great guests to finish this first season off. It's going to be a phenomenal couple of episodes that we have going forward. Make sure you tune in. Otherwise, make sure to check out Industry Jump. Build a free Let's video portfolio. Go. Check apply to jobs, work with mentors, learn new skills. Let's go. Get it. Hopefully you guys learned a lot from this episode that is sure. beneficial to you and can 
inspire you going forward. Yeah.